You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Monday to you and yours. Uh, this is the start of a great work week, a great week of shows that we have uh, on tap for you all. And today we're gonna start with a, a magnificent, awesome, fabulous show. A show so good, you should stop what you're doing right now and make sure you're calling your friends telling them to join the Fearless Army, telling them to tune into this show. They'll get an explanation of why they should be joining the Fearless Army and supporting this show above all others. Uh, you guys gotta actually uh, do the work of promoting this show and, and spreading the word of mouth of this show uh, because look, they don't want this truth out there. It, they don't want to know that there are people like you, me, and us uh, who think the way that we do. You have to spread the word. Uh, tell them to go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock, hit those subscribes, hit the likes, do all of that. Uh, today, uh, I'm gonna lean into my uh, contributors. Uh, TJ Moe's gonna be here, uh, the Korean Costell, uh, Steve Kim, and Shamika Michelle. Of course, Uncle Jimmy will be here at, at the uh, back end of the show to tell us how we did, and I think Shamika's got a ask Uncle Jimmy question she wants to get off her chest. Uh, with Uncle Jimmy, but we're gonna talk about <clears throat> two particular topics today. One, and th this will be not the first topic, but I'm gonna circle back to Art Browse and some more things I wanna say about what's going on at Grambling State University and with Art Browse and with the new offensive coordinator of the Grambling State Tigers who has Title IX and sexual misconduct issues, uh, but I'm gonna save that for later, I'm gonna talk about it with T.J. Moe, who was kind of critical of Art Browse uh, earlier th this week, on, or last week on the show, before we had Art Browse on and we heard the full story. I'm gonna talk about that with uh, T.J. Moe, but I'm gonna start the show talking with Steve Kim about, and, and this is a big topic, and it's gonna, I don't, I got a fire starter and a monologue for Art Browse that, that I'll get into uh, in the second half of the show. This here is kind of off the cuff, unscripted. It's an idea, a thought, a new way of looking at athletes that I came up with this weekend. And I, I hope that I can unpack this because this will seem like a bunch of unconnected pieces, but, but by the time I put it all together, it, it paints one big picture and will give you a way, a new way, of looking at athletes and why there appears to be a divide. And the divide really isn't along racial lines. The, the divide is more along 
global versus domestic lines. There is a battle. No, I don't want to say that. There's not a battle. There are two competing athletes talking in America. Global athletes versus domestic athletes. And the leader of global athletes are basketball players. Professional basketball players are the leader of global athletes in this country. Basketball players are uniquely tied to Nike and the gym shoe industry. Nike primarily. Nike, I believe, is the strongest force in all of sports. All, more powerful than the NFL, more powerful, certainly more powerful than the NBA. Nike's worth more money and it's more of an international company than any of the sports leagues. Make, rakes in more money than any of the sports leagues. Uh, but beyond Nike, I, I, I'm, I'm going to start by talking about Brittany Griner. And I don't know who she's got a shoe deal with. I'm sure she's got a shoe deal with someone. She's uh, played in the WNBA for about eight, nine years, I believe now. Multiple time All-Star. She's six foot nine. I, uh, you know, I, I really don't, <clears throat> I've known Brittany since she was a uh, college athlete at Baylor. I think some of you know that I'm, I'm friends with uh, Kim Mulkey, the former Baylor head basketball coach. And so when Brittany Griner showed up at Baylor and became this college basketball sensation, I went down to Baylor and uh, spent some time, you know, with them and their, their whole team and uh, covering the Brittany Griner sensation. Uh, Brittany's really, really tall, and that's really, really unique for women. And she's pretty athletic, and so she's a dominant uh, WNBA player. And perhaps, I guess, maybe Dinah Taurasi, or I, I don't know who the biggest star is or the most well-known star in the WNBA is, but by sight, I mean, you could run into a lot of these WNBA players and, and just think, oh, that's a tall, athletic-looking woman. You'd have no idea they're in the WNBA. When you see Brittany Griner, you know it's Brittany Griner, and that's the woman that's in the WNBA. Uh, Brittany Griner has gotten herself, they keep using the word detained in Russia. Uh, I think she's been arrested in Russia. Uh, she had some, she went to the airport with these vape cartridges and with uh, some oil hashes, I guess, that you would put in a vape pipe. And uh, Russia kind of doesn't play. Uh, some dogs or whatever, dog, drug sniffing dogs or whatever caught her at the airport. And she's been detained for about the last three weeks, they say. It just became uh, national news over the past few days. Uh, and perhaps it became national news because people would be far more sympathetic now that there's conflict with Russia uh, because of what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, so maybe that's why it became national news all of a sudden, and maybe that's why uh, Brittany Griner is married to uh, some woman and her wife, you know, I, I has had to have known uh, that she was incarcerated, uh, but somehow it just made national news, although she's been detained uh, for about the last three weeks, it just made national news in the past few days. And, and I wanna use Brittany kind of as the jumping off point uh, 
to explain my overall global athletes versus domestic athletes. Uh, Brittany Griner's over in Russia because uh, she can make upwards of a million dollars playing basketball in Russia during the winter months. She, in the WNBA, she makes about $230,000. She can go over to Russia and make a million bucks playing for them in the winter. And so that should be the first clue to you why female basketball players in America feel like this country is rotten to its core or there's something wrong with this country, constitution needs to be rewritten, this country's oppressive. And it's because in their minds, I can make a million dollars in Russia. How come I can't make a million dollars in America? There must be something wrong with America if I can't make a million dollars here in America and I can do it in Russia. Russia must be a better system than America or I would be making a million dollars in America. I don't blame Brittany Griner and other female basketball players for having this simple-minded mindset, for having this very narcissistic mindset. <laughs> I can make more money over here, therefore it must be better over here than it is here in my homeland. So if you wanna know why WNBA players in mass all wore Black Lives Matter shirts, all kneel during the national anthem, all act like they're oppressed in this country, and oh my God, we don't get to fly private like NBA players. We don't make as much money as NBA players. That's because America is systemically sexist and racist, and there's something wrong with America. And so if you wonder why these elite athletes think that America there's something wrong with and Russia and China and all these other countries where they can make more money is better, you have your answer. It's all about their bottom line. They don't have a wide perspective. They have a very narrow perspective. Me. It would be better for me if America were more like Russia, I would be making more money. That's the extent of their point of view. They go over to Russia and they're well known and they're bigger stars and they make more money and therefore for, for the handful of women who are basically, you know, what is the average woman's height? About 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five? I, I, I don't know but I guarantee you the average height of a WNBA player is probably about six foot, the average height. That's a rare species of human beings. That's an elite species of human beings. Brittany Griner, Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, uh, and I wish I could name more of the WNBA players, I can't. I guess that makes me a sexist pig, but those are the three that come. Isn't there a Della Vadova or is that the Cleveland? Candace yeah, Candace Parker. I can remember Candace Parker. She's about six foot three, six foot four. For those elite 
rare species of human beings. That's who they speak for. That's who they're concerned about. A very tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of America. That's who their worldview reflects. Again, totally speculation. We can probably go to Google and I can find out uh, very quickly the average height of a WNBA player and what percentage of American women reach that height. I'm t it's got six foot, six foot one. It's probably in that range. And I would probably guess less than one or two percent of American women reach that height. So if you're under six foot, they ain't talking about you. And if you don't have any athleticism, they ain't talking about you. Russia and these foreign countries are better for them because they have freakish height and a high level of athleticism for a woman. So do you see where I'm going with this in terms of this uh, global perspective that basketball players have, particularly female uh, basketball players. That's what's driving their worldview. What's best for them, a tiny, tiny percentage of human beings on the planet and an even tinier percentage of American women on this planet. So Brittany Griner right now is getting a taste of what it's like for the non six foot nine women in Russia. Maybe that will change her worldview. And again, I don't know Brittany Griner's politics in detail. I'm just assuming she's a WNBA player. They all take knees. They all take a dump on America. They all consider America oppressive and sexist and it's just horrible. I hope she's getting a, a nice little taste of that Russian life while being detained. Perhaps she's in there with, uh, she's, maybe she's locked up with Russian prostitutes. Because in Russia, they have no problem with Russian prostitutes. That's one of their greatest exports. Maybe she's getting a taste of what life is like for women in Russia who are not six foot nine. And maybe that will shake up her worldview and maybe she'll come when she does get released and these charges, according to some, could she get 10 years, uh, allegedly. Maybe when she gets out, comes home, hopefully soon, she'll explain to all the other athletes back here in America that, hey, you know what? Russia's great for us basketball players, but my God, when they put them cuffs on you and they forget about you being a basketball player, mm, Russia's hard. And so I want to transition to another, basically the Brittany Griner of the NBA, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, another global athlete who has this global uh, perspective of the world because he's an athlete. Chris, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, somehow got invited on the Chris Hayes MSNBC show to talk about the Ukraine and their military conflict with Russia. 
Now, Kareem is best known for a sky hook and being the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. But he dabbles in foreign politics uh, because he's a tall basketball player who I'm sure is worshipped in China and some of these other places around the world that worship tall athletes, basketball players. And so somehow uh, his ability to, to sink that sky hook and score a bunch of points in the W in the in not the W in the NBA and his little travels abroad have made him uh, an expert on this military conflict. And so uh, Chris Hayes at MSNBC brought him on to talk about what athletes can do uh, to support the Ukraine. Here's Kareem. Do you think um, the, the cessation of sports and, and the sort of discontinuation of it, knowing that, you know, I, I mean, FIFA, for instance, is a huge deal, right? The entire world follows the World Cup, um, that that will have reverberations with a populace that, that uh, will be being sent some kind of message that may be outside of what they're learning from state media? I think it adds, adds pressure. And uh, all the pressure we can put on uh, Russia to stop this is, uh, is necessary. This is uh, something that must end. So, uh, you know, we, we have to use uh, the feelings and thoughts of all segments of society, and that includes athletes. Kareem may have nailed this. I don't know. I, I, I hope that those of you that have watched this show uh, know that I've never pretended to be an expert on what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine. And so it's very unlikely that Chris Hayes or anybody will bring me on to talk about Russia and the Ukraine and what we should do in America. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out. Kareem, being a globalist athlete, and, you know, a basketball player with a global worldview, he knows exactly what athletes should do, and he knows exactly who the good guys and bad guys are in this situation, and he's an expert, and he's willing to go on TV and talk about it. I, I, I'm just what, what the, the discovery I made this weekend in my own mind, my own understanding is, I was thinking that these athletes are just stupid. And then I figured out, no, they're speaking in their own self-interest, like the overwhelming majority of human beings do. They're talking about what's good for them. And so Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has bought totally into the globalist agenda and that's being promoted by the left and progressives. And he is selling that at every turn. If they tell you to put a mask on when you sleep at night, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar will be on TV promoting that. If they tell you to take 12 booster shots all in your penis, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar will go on TV and pull his penis out and take the shot. Whatever the globalist left-wing agenda tells you to do, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar will be in support of it. He has a global agenda because he has a globalist worldview because of his success as a basketball player. He is speaking in his own self-interest. I just want you to recognize that and let's take some of the animus out of it and let's take some of the disrespect out of it. He's not stupid. He's speaking in his interest. And so that segues me to 
uh, LeBron James and his, sh his show, The Shop. And they came out with a new episode uh, three, four days ago. It made news because Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens quarterback, uh, said, yeah, it's still there. And he said that in relation to LeBron and others saying that there's still racism and discrimination uh, for black quarterbacks in the NFL. And that made news. And, and then Lamar came out with a tweet because Adam Schefter tweeted it out and uh, that Le Lamar said this on um, the shop and, and Lamar basically tweeted out like, hey bro, pump the brakes, come on Adam. And he basically insinuated that's not what he really said. That, that, and, and, and I don't blame Lamar for doing this, so it made me go back and watch the clip to hear what was actually said. Let's play the clip. By the way, he knows, he knows because when they told him he, he wasn't a, a real quarterback. That's right. Right, 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 real talk. Wait, they what happened? He had one of the most storied, successful, collegiate careers at quarterback anyone's ever had. And the pro teams are asking him if he wants to switch positions to play something else. It's very like, disrespectful. Yeah, why? why did they ask you that? If I because, have no idea. You know, because he don't fit the description. Know you know? You do well, know why. Well, the truth is, there's a lot of history with them not wanting black guys to play quarterback. In football? You know, yeah. Tons of history. It started with, oh, they can't think quick enough. This, this, like, this is going way back, 70s, 80s, and it's still, it's dying Every day, off. give me more reasons to. It's dying off, but it's still there. It's still there. It's still That's there. why I need that championship. That's why I need that championship. So, I'm gonna, this is why Lamar is being defensive about this, is because they created a conversation about him and the NFL and the quarterback position. Maverick Carter knows virtually nothing about the NFL. And I don't say that disrespectfully. I, I used to know Maverick Carter. He's no football expert. Most people talking on TV, even people that are called NFL analysts and experts, Mina Kimes comes to mind. Uh, a Stephen A. Smith comes to mind. Uh, a lot of people come to mind. They don't know what they're talking about. They're just talking. I would lump Maverick in with that group. Whoever, I think the other guy talking that wasn't LeBron was uh, Paul Rivera or some, some marketing executive or whatever. The, the little black woman, Quinta Brunson, based, I ended up watching a lot of this shop. She don't know what she's talking about, about a lot of shit. Uh, excuse my language. Uh, any, none of these people know anything about the NFL, LeBron James included. And so they created a conversation and baited, begged, basically, Lamar Jackson to say, yeah, it's still there. That's why I need a championship. That's all he said. It wasn't his conversation. He wasn't driving it. He wasn't the instigator of it. The shop and LeBron James, it's their job to promote racial division. It's their job to bait someone to come on their show and to say America is racist. And they did it. They got Lamar Jackson to co-sign for it. Why would he do that? What, not, not Lamar, LeBron, why? He's a basketball player. He has a globalist perspective. 
all of these people from Kareem to Brittany Griner to LeBron James. Here's their experience traveling abroad, Russia, China, Africa, wherever they go over the globe. They went because they're highly successful in LeBron and Kareem, and particularly in LeBron's case, LeBron's virtually a billionaire. Kareem, you know, if he hadn't blown all of his money, he's worth millions of dollars. And Brittany Griner's between the shoe companies, the WNBA and playing overseas, she's made a lot of money. These are super wealthy, easy to identify. Brittany Griner's six foot nine and a woman. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is seven foot two. LeBron James is six foot nine. You can recognize them anywhere, and they're basically millionaire celebrity influencers when they traveled abroad. How do you think they were treated? Like royalty until Brittany got caught with some hashes and, a, and vape pipes at the airport. When they traveled abroad as adults, having made a bunch of money, those countries and those people treat them like celebrity millionaires. And so their worldview is, oh my God, look at how well I'm treated in China. China's free of racism. Now in America, before I was a millionaire, so let's walk it all the way back to when Brittany Griner is just some six foot tall, 12 year old. I don't think she was treated all that well, probably by kids of any color. She was probably mocked and laughed at. Let's go back to when LeBron James is poor and in the ghetto and his first 10 years, I think lived in eight, 10, 12, 15 different houses, who knows? Let's go back to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Now, it's, you know, when he, long before he was in NBA or before UCLA paid him a bunch of money to go to school there. How whatever he experienced in America, maybe somebody was rude to him, maybe he got called the N-word, who knows? But they judge America and, and, and juxtapose America to the treatment they got when they were kids and then say, well, man, when I go overseas, I'm worshiped and I'm treated like royalty. They have no problem with black people in China or Russia or any place else where I'm worshiped as a celebrity millionaire. Now, how are they treated here in America as celebrity millionaires? I know LeBron had that Jussie Smollett, they painted the N-word on my $20 million mansion and we got no proof of it, no video, no nothing, and we erased it before the police could come there and investigate. If you buy that, I guess you could say LeBron's been mistreated as an adult. Someone, uh, and it, look, it, trust me on this, if someone spray painted the N-word on LeBron's mansion in, in Brentwood, there's a 90% chance it was a black kid because that's our favorite word. And you can find that graffiti and everything all over our neighborhoods in Los Angeles. I've seen it with my own eyes. But I don't believe it happened. 
And so bottom line, what I'm telling you is LeBron is worshipped and treated as a celebrity here in America just the same as he is over there. Brittany Griner treated as a celebrity over here in America. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, as adults, they have no experience, no understanding of how people of color, particularly dark skin, that aren't celebrity millionaires, how are they treated in China, Russia, and all these different destinations around the globe that they think are better than America? They don't have a clue. And so when you're a basketball player and you're on that Nike or gym shoe uh, contract that's worried about how can I make 1.4 billion people in China happy rather than 300 million in America, the world looks to you like, wow, it's better every place else uh, but America. Global athletes. And so this weekend, there's a UFC fighter, Bryce Mitchell, who had something political to say. And it sounded far different than our global athletes. And people will jump to the conclusion, well, he's white, they're black, that's the difference. I don't think that's the difference. I think Bryce Mitchell competes in the UFC, which is far more dependent on the American market than the NBA. And keep in mind, the NBA pays the bills of the WNBA. I think Bryce Mitchell uh, competes in a sport where when he goes overseas, even, and I don't know how much money he's got, you know, he ain't got LeBron's money. I, I guarantee he's got less money than LeBron, than LeBron, Kareem, and uh, Brittany Griner. He's not treated and worshiped the way they are when he travels abroad. If he travels abroad, he's a domestic athlete whose primary concern is uh, the American customer base. So here's how he sounds talking about political issues. Well, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the whole Russia and Ukraine situation. You know, um, Here's my first thought is I'm not going nowhere to fight none of these wars for these politicians. I'm staying at home. And when the war comes to Arkansas, I will dig my boots in the ground and I will die for everything I love. And I will not retreat if this country is invaded and everybody's saying, well, we got to we got to evacuate. We got to leave. We got I will not. I will dig my boots in the Arkansas soil and I will fight for the people that I love, for the land that I love and the way of life that I love. But I'm not going overseas to fight. I don't know what's going on, to be honest, brother. I really don't. There's so much stuff, and I don't think nobody knows what's going on fully. There's been so much political corruption in that area. You got Biden and his son making a shit ton of money off of uh, and using our tax dollars to bribe their people. That's treasonous, in my opinion. Uh, so you got Hunter Biden and his son using our tax dollars. Hey, if if Ukrainian government, if you don't do this, we're taking your tax dollars. He shouldn't be giving our tax dollars to that country anyway. We got veterans out here sleeping on the street, and you're going to give our freaking tax dollars to these Ukrainians. And all the, I, brother, I don't know what's going on over there, but I'm not going over there and fighting. And God bless anybody that's over there that's fighting. And I hope that this shit just gets solved. And man, I don't like war. 
You know what I mean? I don't want people dying and all that stuff. I don't want to be, I don't know what's going on. There's so much stuff that I think that's corrupted that we just don't know what's truly going on over there. And I just, I pray all those people are safe. You know what that sounds like? Somebody whose primary concern is America. Cause that's where his bread is buttered. And he appreciates the way of life we have here. The, the, the divide, I'm telling you, it's not black and white. It's global perspective versus domestic perspective. It's who's really buttering your bread. And we have these basketball players who think these foreign countries, their butter is better than our butter. And you know what? The Russian butter, there's more of it for Brittany Griner. I get it. All she cares about is Brittany Griner. You'll never convince me that Russia, China, any of that is better for women than America. Never convince me of that. But you can make more money playing basketball if you're a woman over there. Hats off to you for that little tiny percentage of people that that impacts. But that's an America first mentality that Bryce Mitchell just expressed. I have so much respect for it. And if you want to know why Lamar immediately wanted to clarify and push back and wanted people to look different, uh, look differently at his comments on, on uh, whether there's still racism or whatever uh, in, in the NFL as it relates to quarterbacks, it's because, and again, it's not a strong rebuke by Lamar, but that comment and the way it was spun out was off brand for Lamar Jackson and the way he's carried himself. It's completely off brand. He has not been in the whole, the whole America is oppressive, is systemically racist. He ain't been in that camp, despite what social media dictates and demands that he does. He hasn't been one of those people. Now, he did say on that show, The Shop, he's a big LeBron James fan. Favorite, and I get it. I get why. LeBron's an incredible athlete. I get why other athletes respect him and what he's done on the court and the money he's made. But I would just continue to warn him because Lamar was talking, I want to be a billionaire just like LeBron. Well, let me tell you something. Lamar, that involves some selling out of your country. Because LeBron's making all that money because he's doing the dance Nike dictates that he does. And Nike's doing the dance that China dictates that they do. So if you want to be a billionaire in that athletic lane, uh, Lamar, you may have to sell out if you want to follow LeBron's path and the global athlete's path. But as long as you play in the NFL, and the NFL despite all the selling out it's doing, and it has done a lot of it to Black Lives Matter and that whole Marxist agenda. But uh, the NFL still is an America first customer-based league. It's not making tons of money over in China or other countries. You can't go play football in some other country and make more money than you make in America. 
That's the difference between global athletes and domestic athletes. I think I did a good job with that. And that was all off the cuff. I want to roll out to Los Angeles and bring in my guy, Steve Kim. Steve, I didn't mean to keep you waiting that long, but uh, it took me a long time to unpack this. Uh, and so I, I, I want your thoughts on uh, what I just expressed. Okay, there's so many things. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here. You gave me a whole U-Haul. Let's go with Brittany Griner. I don't know. Here's the thing that gets me about, uh, let's start with the media. Poor Brittany. She only makes a quarter million playing basketball. Yeah, she's got a family to feed. Again, let's start the GoFundMe for her. I, I mean, last I checked, the average salary in our fine country is right around forty to 45000 So at 220 thousand she's probably in the top four to five percent that is a great deal of money except maybe in california or new york but otherwise you could live a very nice comfortable life anywhere else also if you're making a million dollars in russia or any other foreign country i would suggest to her Brittany, there's no need to play in the wnba what's it really doing for you sure there might be some marketing and branding reasons why she has to but if you're getting paid that little in your view, you have a choice in this capitalist society to quit the job. I mean, Jason, we've had other jobs and maybe there are times when you've had several gigs. The ones that don't pay well, though, that you're not getting fulfilled for, you're allowed to quit. And lastly, about her trying to, I don't want to say smuggle, but take that hashish uh, back out of the country. Yeah, that is a form of Russian roulette. And unfortunately, she came up on the wrong chamber and she has to understand one thing. What's legal here may not be legal there. And so she'll have to deal with those consequences. L let me just say, and I, I didn't even get all in that because I could have talked about this for an hour nonstop, is <laughs> she is the typical spoiled, entitled American athlete and that doesn't think, think they're above the law and the rules don't apply. I, I couldn't imagine being in a foreign country and not being aware of their laws as it relates to drugs and making sure that I obeyed them because the last thing you want to do is get arrested in a foreign country. She's so irresponsible and entitled and clueless that she got arrested uh, for trying to uh, bring drugs back in, in her luggage. That's on her. This is not some 19-year-old yeah. kid. She's 31, 32 years old. That's on her. And, Jason, going back to the media, blaming the patriarchy and evil capitalism, how the WNBA makes so little money. Think about the irony, irony of, these, of this. The media outlets that are making this a big deal, we should do a Google search and check when was the last time they covered the NBA. Just for the games. When did they boost up the personality? When did they market the sport? When did they advocate for women's basketball in their layup contest? Uh, again, it's really easy to look back now and then wag the finger. The bottom line is very simple, and I know this is harsh, but we are fearless on this program. The WNBA is a loss leader. It is not a business. It's basically a very symbolic thing to prop up Title IX that the NBA and their ownership is basically coerced to support. Without that big welfare check, there is no WNBA. In fact, Jason, I would make an argument 
that Brittany Griner and all of those players are actually overpaid if you go by economic realities? Uh, they're certainly overpaid. It's the WNBA is certainly a welfare league, and they're one. And I get it that in Russia, they've injected their female athletes with so many drugs that they have a different culture. As a, let's see, they got a long history of it. They have a different culture as it relates to women's sports, and so their leagues and people following women's sports that are all filled up on drugs and steroids and performance enhancers, it's a different culture than what we have here. But the thing I, I would tell Brittany Griner or any of them, move to Russia. Oh. If it's so much better, <laughs> instead of telling us to, hey, we should be more like Russia, just move to Russia, move to China. But don't try to import their system, their values into our unique American culture that serves the whole a lot better than a handful of elite athletes. And, and Steve, I, I'm just telling you, the thing that just came across my mind this weekend that I was like, these guys travel abroad as millionaires and, and borderline billionaires and celebrities. And, and so their first experiences with these foreign countries are as millionaire elite celebrities. And, and they, can't, they don't have enough self-awareness to say, you know why I'm treated like royalty here? Because I am royalty. And so, but, but the average Again, and I go back to, and I talked about this, I think on Fox and Friends uh, over the weekend, uh, I, there was a kid at Ball State, Wendell Brown, that got yep. arrested in China, spent three years in a Chinese prison. I had to pay a bunch of money to get him out of that Chinese prison. This is a black kid from Detroit. And, and, and so that's how black people get treated in China. He was no sort of professional athlete. He wasn't some six foot ten basketball player. Again, let's let's take the ball kid, Jello, Leangelo, or whatever that got uh, arrested over in China. If he wasn't yes. a basketball player connected to UCLA, I would love to hear how that would have went for the typical black person in China that gets arrested. UCLA, the State Department doesn't get involved. He's not released right away. Jason, I believe you had a guest by the name of Vadi Bakum. He recently came out yes. and said the best place for black people to live in this world, uh, despite its imperfections, is America. Thomas Sowell, the great Thomas Sowell, has said that for years. He's done studies on it. But when, when you talk about that issue of how LeBron and Kobe, they were revered, uh, specifically Kobe in China, in all parts of Asia. I, I saw the videos when he'd go there for Nike or whatever shoe company he was representing. It's like pretty privilege. It's like that hot girl that has the face of Holly Berry and the body of Jessica Rabbit. She thinks everyone's nice. Everyone treats them great. She gets the best service. She gets the cut in line. Everyone really wants, do you want an extra cup of water or tea? And like, hey, I can get a refill. Yeah, yeah, you later, bro. That's, that's, they don't understand that. That there is, like, it's like the supermodel, Paulina Porzcova recently came out. You know, at age 50, I don't get treated the same. Well, yeah, because, you know, your wall's a little bit softer than most people. You still hit the wall and now back to reality. And, and to a certain degree, athletes that come back to our great country, they may have an incident or two, and maybe that's their version of the Pauline, Paulina Porzcova wall. But it's still a much softer wall. But I have a theory on this, and I've, I've heard other people say this. I believe a lot of these athlete activists who are so anti-U.S., 
anti-patriarchy, sometimes just downright anti-white. I don't think they really mean it. In my view, what's really happening is a form of survivor's guilt. They either were genetically gifted or they worked harder, and they realized, hey, I deserve everything I got. I made the leagues. I made the sacrifices. You didn't. But because they get the privilege and they understand, like, hey, I'm living in a nice gated community uh, (laughs) surrounded by a bunch of glacier gliders, if you know what I mean, Um, I have to at least act like I'm still down, like I'm still with the cause and I'm still facing it. So on social media, where it's a nice, safe cocoon, I have to be very, very militant. And and meanwhile, uh, I got a butler bringing up my uh, cup of hot cocoa at midnight. Steve, I'm gonna let you go because I talk too long, and I need to get to uh, I need to get to TJ Mo, and I need to tell you guys about my good friends at Good Ranchers. Inflation is out of control, and we see that more than ever in the grocery store. Prices keep hitting new all-time highs for meat and seafood. Cooking and grilling at home used to be the way to save money. But with the prices up nearly 20%, even that seems like a thing of the past. If you're looking to save money without sacrificing quality, then you need to check out Good Ranchers. Don't buy imported meat. Good Ranchers delivers delicious 100% American meat to your door. Great source, great price, great quality. Get your $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken today. Go to GoodRanchers.com fearless right now. Good Ranchers takes the guesswork out of the grocery store by sourcing everything from local farms and shipping it to your door. Use my promo code FEARLESS and enjoy your box of 100% American meat and your $30 savings. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers. American meat delivered. All right, TJ Moe. All right, welcome back. Uh, time to roll out to uh, Missouri and bring in TJ Moe, uh, the show me kid. TJ, I, I made some false promises at the top of the show. Uh, I didn't plan on talking for 35 straight minutes at the top of the show, so I'm gonna push pause on the continuation of the Art Browse conversation. Hopefully you, you'll be available tomorrow and we can do it. Uh, I just want to, bring you into this global versus domestic athletes conversation. We'll keep it relatively tight. And then, cause again, if I start talking about Art Browse and all that, that could be another hour. And, sure. and I don't want to go that long today. So we'll do it tomorrow. Uh, but so I, I just, I want your thoughts on my uh, discovery over the weekend in my mind uh, that like, hey, What's really motivating and distinguishing these athletes is a global perspective versus a domestic perspective as it relates to their sports. I think basketball players are most acutely into this global perspective, global worldview, because basketball is the global game and they make so much money in these foreign countries. And when they travel to these foreign countries as adult millionaires, they get treated in a way that, oh my God, this place is perfect. And why can't it be more like them? Whereas someone like Bryce Mitchell, all his fights right here in America, uh, his bread is buttered here in America. He has Mm -hmm. an America first mentality. Yes, I think you're exactly right. I think think what we saw from Bryce Mitchell was self-awareness. 
which is a superpower in today's world because almost no one has it. Uh, these, these, particularly the NBA players, because as you said, they're the ones that, that probably uh, benefit the most from the global money. The, the basketball players have zero self-awareness. They have no idea what's going on in the minds of the farmers in Iowa. And they have no idea. They keep talking about this is best for America, right? The definition of globalism is a national policy of treating the whole world as a proper sphere for political influence. And political influence obviously leads to the economic influence. And so what they're saying is this is the best for the whole world, which is obviously not true. As you pointed out, the farmers in Iowa uh, obviously do not get any benefit from the additional dollars going into LeBron James bank account or Brittany Griner's bank account. And if they had any self-awareness, they would stop acting as though it did. And that was the best for the entire world. It, it, let's not kid ourselves. If Brittany Griner wasn't getting a million dollars a year from Russia, she would not have a global worldview. If LeBron James wasn't getting hundreds of millions of dollars from China, they would not have a global worldview. They'd be saying everybody else should be more like America, not America should be more like everyone else. And by the way, it's not the human rights that they're getting anywhere else. It seems as though all they care about is the almighty dollar because Brittany Griner goes over there for the money and doesn't get the human rights. And instead of looking at Russia and saying, hey, Russia, you should treat the, the rest of your people and everyone else like America does. We have human rights here. They turn around and look at America and say, well, America, if you would just pay her what she deserves, then we wouldn't be having this discussion. And so zero self-awareness. It is always critical of America. And and we saw the self-awareness from Bryce Mitchell. When was the last time, Jason, that you saw any celebrity at all say, to be honest, I don't know enough to comment on this subject. I, I can't think of a time, but he did. He well, said, look, it's complicated. Good. Well, and just remember that all the Hollywood celebrities in these movies or whatever, the, the, the movie companies have gone so global, th their primary concern in virtually every movie is how will China receive this? Mm. And can we get it into the Chinese market? And so all those celebrities, from Tom Hanks to Tom Cruise to whoever, Alyssa Milano, any of them, they're all obsessed with how it will play in China because their money is attached to that. And, and so I don't know Bryce Mitchell, and, and so I wanna be careful and just, he's self-motivated. And just, I appreciate his self-motivation that he's an American athlete dependent on an American customer base. And, and that keeps him very, very loyal to America. If he were an international star and, and there was a possibility of making more money for him in China than in America, he might sound very different. He may, he may not be as self-aware as he sounded then. I, I honestly think it's, it's the purse strings, money, and, and again, we have the entire American society has become so obsessed with money and so obsessed with whoever has the most money is clearly the smartest person and the mm. person you should look up to. Oh my God, you see the money Bill Gates has? He's a genius. Jeff Bezos, they're the smart. We must, whoever has the most, 
And whoever has the most money, I'm just telling you, a lot of times it's the person who's cut the most corners and or cut deals uh, with people maybe they shouldn't have. It's no different than how I look at like Phil Mickelson and I'm gonna get in bed with Saudi Arabia. American corporations have been getting in bed with countries and organizations and people uh, for all the wrong reasons, just for dollars, for a long time. And, and so I, I, I listen to Bryce Mitchell and, and I just say his mentality should be the mentality of 99%, 98% of Americans. We should push LeBron and the global athletes, put them on an island. They don't, even when they're pretending to speak for you, the working man, they're not. They're, they're just not. And if we had that understanding, those guys would be a lot more tolerable and I wouldn't be bothered by them if everybody knew like, man, LeBron's speaking for his Chinese business interest. That's what's best for him. He ain't speaking for Joe Blow, the factory worker, the postman, uh, any working class person in America. I, I wish we had that understanding. The more local we get, the better off we are. This is this is true for all people, right? We, you and I love America. I mean, it's, I've got American flags. You've got one sitting there in the studio. America is awesome. The closer you get to home, though, it's like you see guys on uh, when at the Super Bowl. They talk about their college. They talk about their hometown. They're proud of where they came from and how local they are. That's where Bryce Mitchell is. I don't know if you saw his fight this weekend. He loves Arkansas. That dude adores Arkansas. And he said, you guys have had my back for 10 years. I'm going to show you I don't I, I, I can do more than just hurt people. I can help people. He gave half his fight purse to hospitals in Arkansas. By the way, his fight purse was only $90,000. So we're talking like money corrupts. How often do we have to talk about money corrupting? LeBron James and Brittany Griner are upset because they're not getting hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. He got a $90,000 purse and gave 45000 of it to the local hospital in Arkansas because he said people of Arkansas have been taking care of him and it's his turn to take care of them. That's the kind of guys that we should aspire to be. Not the guys who are upset because, you know, I was disappointed with Lamar Jackson he said, you know, ever since I was a kid, I was chasing championships and being a billionaire. I'm like, really, man? Being a billionaire is your ultimate dream as a child? I never had the thought. And I get it. If you don't grow up with much money, I don't know if he did or didn't. But like just having enough is a good thing. When I'm a kid having, you know, having a billion dollars, it's, it's hard for me to fathom what a billion dollars is right now, much less as a 10 year old who's playing football. So Look, I, I think it goes much, much deeper than this. And and I feel like I say this every time we're on, but the we will have a long conversation at some point about what globalism actually leads to the product of globalism. Because, again, it's you know, we act like these guys who are benefiting the most LeBron and Bernie Griner, most of the NBA specifically, they say, well, it's, it's the it's the greatest good for the most amount of people. And that's how they preach it and, and hide behind it, even though they're really the only ones who are benefiting it. The the logical product of globalism is a one world government, because the only way to keep everybody in agreement is to have one person in power. Otherwise, there's no way you can have a million different people in power. And so a one world economy, a one world government 
is all biblical. If you've read Revelations chapter 13, John describes a, a vast empire of someone with power, great authority, that's going to be worshipped by all people, having the authority over every tribe, people, language, nation. This is all coming someday. And so to get in a much deeper version of what this is, guys like you and I need to be fighting against this and delaying it as long as humanly possible. Because when globalization actually does become a reality, the end is near. You know what, TJ? Uh, that's interesting. But did, did, and we, I do want to get deeper into it. You know, I may have to bring you back to Nashville once. So again, so me, you, Anthony and Pastor Bobby can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be a good Tennessee Harmony segment. I do want you to go back to because I think you kind of rushed your point on your criticism of Lamar Jackson and, and the problems you had with with him saying he wants to be a billionaire. I I. I I don't fight. Lamar Jackson's probably 25 years old. And so when he's a kid, let's say from age eight to now 25, the last 17 years, that, that's basically the reign of Jay-Z and of hip hop and the whole just glorification of billionaire status and money, 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 money. And so I do think that as a kid, he thought about, oh, how can I be a billionaire? I want to win games and I want to be a billionaire because we've had a culture that has preached to him that making as much money as possible is the most important thing in the world and you're really not somebody until you got enough money to throw away $100,000 in a strip club one night and turn around and burn 50,000 just to impress your friends the next yeah. night. And so I, 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 I do, and I'm not saying that's what Lamar's thinking about just wasting his money, but he grew up in a culture that has been defined by materialism and the pursuit of wealth by any means. If you're a drug dealer and have made money selling drugs, as long as you're rich, it's worth it and it's to be respected. I, I, I just think those statements he made there were authentic and a reflection of the culture that helped produce him. That may be, and I don't mean to be so critical of Lamar as I am about the idea that he spewed. And so, and, and I've told you this, I, I actually think Lamar's a good kid and he, he seems to be trying to give the right, he seems very genuine. And so again, I, it is more the idea that I, uh, that I object to, you know, there was a study, a Harvard study that's still currently, it's the longest running study in history. It's an 80 year study started in 1938 during the great depression there. And, uh, it actually had JFK in the study and obviously he's not a subject anymore, but it had seven or 800 people in it. It's now being run by Robert Waldinger. He's a psychiatrist. And so what they wanted to look at, they went to Harvard 
And back then, these studies were done just on men. Since that time, they have added women into the study and had additional people. But they went to Harvard, and they got a bunch of, of college-age men and said, we would like to study you the rest of, our, of your lives. Are you cool with that? And they got a bunch of people to sign up. Then they went to the poorest neighborhood in Boston, got a, the kids that were just barely making it. And they and these were kids, you know, young kids. They said, can we study you, too? We want to see the most privileged people who came from the most possible money. Their parents, you know, they either had a legacy into Harvard. They could pay for it, whatever it is. And then we want to see the kids who have nothing. And we want to study you guys. And this is a study on happiness. So what is it like that you are going to live the most satisfied life? And again, the study is still going on. There was a great TED talk on this in 2015. What they found when they gathered everything they knew about these participants, and this is blood tests, this is they got, you know, they had um, access to all their doctor's information. There was a ton of stuff. They, they had full access and they interviewed these people every so many years to say, hey, what's going on in your life? You know, you just got a job promotion. Tell me more about it. And, and they have a ledger of all this stuff. And at age 50, it wasn't their middle age cholesterol levels that predicted how they were going to grow old. It was how satisfied they were with their relationships. Money was never a consideration. So how are you, when you're 80 years old, who is going to live to be 80? And how satisfied are you going to be? And what is that going to be? The number one predictor was how happy you were with your relationships, your marriage, your close friends, your family, every day. Money was not even a consideration. The poor kids in Boston were just as happy as the rich kids at Harvard, so long as they had a long-lasting relationship. And they, they held their marriage together and all everything that was involved. And so my objection with Lamar Jackson saying, I want to be a billionaire, like everybody thinks money is going to lead to all this happiness. They're crazy. And, and I get it. It's, on, it's, it's, from, it's from Jay-Z, who learned it from somebody else, who learned it from somebody else. They were all wrong. And, and the, my problem is it gives poor people hope that if they just get to that because they're not there yet, then they will be happy and they'll have a satisfying life. Instead, if they were told the proper things, actual studies, things we read out of the Bible, real legitimate information is have good, long-lasting fulfilling relationships with the people close to you and you will have a long satisfying life and you won't even care about the money and so that's my big objection with lamar it's like you know he learned from jay-z and he just went on the shop and a bunch of other kids are watching him and they're all like i just want to be a billionaire and i'm like good luck man you end up a lonely billionaire you know some of the some of the the people who uh, commit suicide the most are the richest people because they get to the top and they think i thought this was it i was supposed to be happy when i got all this money and they're still not happy it just doesn't work it, it, it's so funny you're hitting on things I've had to think about and deal with over the past few years uh, in particular because when, when I was in college, I can remember being at Ball State University and one of my professors had been a former reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer and he said he made $70,000 a year. And I remember thinking in, at, while at Ball State, senior in college, oh my God. If I make $70,000 in a year and I'm just writing about sports, I got life licked. This is, so when I entered into this profession, it would, had nothing to do with money. Just I just wanted to be involved with sports and writing and talking about sports. I thought, and just at that time I was really just about writing about sports. I just thought, man, I, I'll never work a day in my life. As I became more successful, and the financial rewards kept getting greater and greater and greater, things I had never envisioned happening. 
uh, I then, I can't say I, I pivoted because I didn't change my beliefs in terms of I'm not going to sell out just to make as much money as possible, but I did want to be as successful as I could in this career. I wanted to be uh, like Mike Royko, who was my childhood writing idol. And so I wanted to win a Pulitzer Prize, I wanted to be the best, and this was all in the sports lane. And, and I did lose sight of family and the importance of family. And that's why I made some very poor relationship decisions because I hadn't prioritized family the way that I should. And, and I got lost in career success. And so that's why it's, it's, I'm a bit more sympathetic when I hear those things out of Lamar because it's like, I've been there. And then, and then particularly for Lamar, when you grow up and your family's poor, and you start seeing the impact of your success, the impact on them, what you're able to provide for them and the opportunities, it, it, it just becomes more and more uh, a priority in your mind. It's like, man, I'm not just blessing me, I'm blessing these people in my family and friends and people I care about. And, 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 and so I guess the advice I would give Lamar is, don't get so obsessed, and I'm sure he won't make this mistake, that you forget about your own family, starting your own family, uh, because I'm just telling you, I lost sight of that, and it's one of the biggest mistakes of my life, but uh, enough about You got anything else you want to say, TJ, before I let you go? Uh, just to add to what you're saying there, it's like, look, money's great, but there's a lot of studies out there that show that once you get about $60,000 a year, your level of life satisfaction pretty much now that's going up actually over the, that's about five to 10 years old now. So you know, it's probably closer to 75, 80,000 now. But once you hit that, there's, it's like, that's enough that you're not dying to pay your bills, that you're not just looking around to scrounge together 10 bucks to pay your light bill. Once you get there and can live comfortably, your level of life satisfaction doesn't really move. And so look, I've, I've been on journeys of, I thought I was going to make it in the NFL and I went to Mizzou and I went out and I, I dedicated 17 years of my life since I was seven years old to where I was 22 years old in New England and I tore my Achilles and my family was the only thing there to pick up the pieces. So all that money out there is great, but if dad would have handed me half a million dollars, that wasn't nearly as big of a deal as the hug that I got when I got home. Uh, that's TJ Mo. We'll see you tomorrow where we'll pick up the Art Browse conversation again. All right, uh, Uncle Jimmy, the approval rating segment, and Shamika wants to ask Uncle Jimmy another question. We did this on Friday. Let's see what she's got cooked up today. Next. We must exist in a state of man glorious as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, 
and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. All right, welcome back. Uh, before we get to the approval rating segment, uh, Shamika Michelle is back. Shamoke Show is back, and uh, she's got a question uh, she wants to ask Uncle Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy, she's coming to you for wisdom. No, drop a little. Bring it here, Shamika. What you got? <laughs> First, before I get to you, Uncle Jimmy, Jason, I need to say that when you were talking about Britney, all I could hear was, the house is a museum when people come to see her. <laughs> Nine? Damn, she had no choice but to be a lesbian. But that's not why I'm here. <laughs> so, the question- Hey, Shaq, are Kareem's on the market? I think Kareem's single, I mean. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Shaq probably can't do what she need to do. <laughs> I'm sure, not at this point. I read, I read, I read Gwen Stefan's book. Well, <laughs> Jim, I'm just, you know, if you and uh, uh, Brittany Griner had hooked up, the kid might have been, you know, five. Me and Brittany Griner hooked up, it looked like a damn mouse having sex with a giraffe. What the hell you said? <laughs> hell, I'd run a half a mile between the kissing and the. Never mind. Go ahead. Come on, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Damn, stop that. Okay. Yeah, it wouldn't be no '69. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, forgive me. Shamika, take please. Get me out of this trouble. Okay, to get you out of this trouble. So, Uncle Jimmy, what you're about to see here is a video that D.L. Hughley put out in response to the divorce happening between Kanye West and Kim Kardashian and some of the posts that he's made and the video that he released where it appears that he buried Pete Davidson. I just want to get your opinion on it. Okay. Right, because he bought a house across the street That's not, from her house. Listen, I don't, I think that I've watched too many times where things like that happen and a woman or somebody's not believed and then things escalate. Yeah. Tom, he is stalking her. You could think it's cute. If it was my daughter, I'd do something about it. I don't mm. think it's funny. I think that you can't write a beat so good that you get to do these things. And society laughs it off because they say, well, she showed her ass all the time and he's this and he's that. And it's that. At a certain point, it def it is not unusual for men like that. The, only, the only difference between him and a restraining order is about 20 hits and a couple of hundred million dollars. I just don't think it's funny. I think that 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 
Kanye wouldn't get no at all if he didn't write no hits. You know that. Like, he's not the kind of dude. You don't, like, he counts on the shit that he, this mystique. Right. And in the end, she got just as much bread as she as she did. Yeah. And why talk to him? Pete Davidson is a scribe. Like, I don't get what the point is for threatening him. Like, if, if you if you threatening to do this woman, all he gonna do is her harder. <laughs> like, like. Hmm. Mm. Uh, what's the question? <laughs> I want to get, Con- uh, not Kanye, I want to get Uncle Jimmy's take on the situation. Does he agree with D.L. Hughley? Does he think that this is simply art and it will just blow over and everything will be fine? As a parent, you know, and Jimmy, Uncle Jimmy, you have two children as well. How do you think this will play out when it comes to the kids? Well, first of all, we need to look at what we you just said this, and Kanye's gonna have to make a decision. Kanye's gonna have to decide whether he wants to be an artist or whether or not he wants to be a parent. Because you're entitled to be an artist, but you need to be careful when that you wanna be an artist follows you into court because you're trying to get custody of your kids. That's my problem with it. Hold on. Clarify it. Your problem with it is when you're trying to be an artist following you in the court, explain it. In other words, Kanye can can say, I'm an artist. This is creative art. That's all this is. But be careful when that creative art follows you into the courtroom because you're upset because Kim won't tell you where your kid's birthday party is. But you just released a video of you cutting off Kim's boyfriend's head. That doesn't play well in court. It, it, it will not play well in court. Uh, Shamika, what's your take? So I, I do believe that Kanye is a genius by definition, that he has exceptional creative power. But I agree with D.L. Hughley that he's really taken this too far. And I don't, I don't know where that creative power will take him when it comes to his kids. One of the things that's bothering me is that, you know, the Bible says, hell hath no fury than a woman scorned. He's acting like a woman. He's not maintaining his masculine frame, which is concerning to me. And also when it comes to children, that's my main concern. You know, we talk about men being in the lives of their children on this show. And it used to be a law where uh, women would just automatically get custody of the children. It was called the the tender years doctrine. And while they don't have that law now, the things that they still look at to determine whether or not a, a parent will get custody still favors the mother in most cases. When they look at primary child, uh, pri- primary caregiver, parental and child bond, whether or not the the parent will foster a healthy relationship with the other parent. I believe Kanye is playing into the hands where he will not get the custody or maybe not even the visitation that he would like to get because his ego and because of his pride and pride cometh before, before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. So I just want Kanye to really think about his children, not so much his fans, not so much of trying to look like the man and putting this other man in his place by being petty, but think about the fact that he has four kids that need 
him in their lives. You know, I, I want Kanye to put that first because that's my main concern. Most of the time, the, the courts favor the mother for sim very simple reasons. And Kanye needs to realize this. Kim has just as much money as he does. He's not fighting a broke witch. So I think that Kanye needs to just keep that in mind when it comes to those those kids. My, my thing with Kanye is, and I go back and forth on him, and now I would say I'm back, or no, I'm, I'm backing up, backing away from him. It, it all feels like a game, particularly the religious part. Kanye's putting out albums, Jesus is King, and, and you want to see that manifest itself in his behavior. You know, you want to wear your uh, religious belief publicly, then it has to be manifested. And one of the reasons to wear it publicly is so that it will manifest itself in your behavior. And again, that's why, you know, when I started being more passionate about wearing my faith publicly, I left the strip clubs. Uh, and, and there are other, you know, that, that's, there's a reason why I'm eating a lot less because gluttony is, is not godly. And so I just want to see that behavior start to, you know, exhibit itself in Kanye's behavior. And we're not seeing it. The video has him burning down a church, burying this uh, Pete Davidson guy. And, and this and, and I get it. He clearly uh, is passionate about Kim Kardashian. He doesn't seem to be able to let it go. But I, I think you're right. I, I think D.L. Hughley's right. And everybody knows I'm no fan of D.L. Hughley. He's no fan of mine. But I think he's accurate here. He's basically saying, hey, man, this looks like O.J. all over again. And we don't want to be running back the tapes on this and saying, how did we miss that sign? This, this, and so this obsessive stalking behavior, no real thought about the kids. I don't think he can all be written off as, oh, well, Kanye's bipolar and, you know, he's off his meds this week or he didn't see his counselor this week. Uh, you know, Kanye needs some help. This isn't a laughing matter. Anybody close to him and maybe there are no people close to him, but uh, maybe even law enforcement may have to get involved because, uh, you know, I think Tupac was making songs about uh, killing Biggie, and and uh, we and again, I, Big, Tupac got killed first, but Biggie and Tupac did end up dead. And so th this whole rap music thing is about authenticity and living transparently, and a lot of t and and it, it, it's like a lot of rappers. Tech Nine, friend of mine, they, they, they call it writing their life. They think their best music comes from the pain that they experience in life and they write it out and perform it on stage or whatever. And so that's why we should, what D.O. Hughley said, man, we gotta take this seriously. We, we've seen rappers uh, fill their art with uh, their true beliefs and see it spin out of control and we could be looking at another nightmare situation. Let's don't laugh at this. Let's don't, and don't anybody step out here and defend Kanye. Uh, this is a, a troubling situation. Uh, 
So that's my long rambling. Go ahead. Go ahead. Also, you know, people say it's just social media. They are, you know, how is this harassing her? I want people to understand that they can and will use social media posts in court. I've seen it done. I've, I've had my own experience of it. And in all fairness to people who suffer from mental illness, I want people to stop, you know, just dismissing it oh, like, oh, well, Kanye's crazy or he's bipolar. This is what happens. There are a lot of people who have died diagnosed mental illness who can also function and and be very great parents. So I don't think it's fair that people use that as an excuse for Kanye to act and have this type of behavior. It's not fair to other people who suffer with mental illness that are also great parents. I agree. I think the thing that Shamika said that Really, I mean, we could talk about Kim, we can talk about Kanye, we could talk. The thing that you said the most is you're using the kids as props. You're using the kids, and the kids are the ones that are gonna suffer from this. Because you, as the parents, Kim and Pete, they're coming out with a, 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 a reality show. Kanye's trying to sell albums, and they're using this whole everything as a life story, and it could end up real bad. Remember one of the oldest love stories in the world was Romeo and Juliet. Remember how that ended, so, you know. Good point, uh, good job. Uh, great question, Shamika. Uh, let's get to our approval rating uh, of Brittany Griner. Oh boy, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> was she saying she's part of the Adams Family or what, what I, was that song? <laughs> look, man, we- I didn't even want to go there because I, no. I don't want to get in trouble. I didn't uh, either. I, I, I didn't want to get in any more trouble than I'm already in. All right, so uh, Brittany Griner, who's detained. Don't, don't they call that getting arrested? How did, what? what it's, called they, being, that, that's, it's called being held against your wishes, yeah. <laughs> against your will. <laughs> yeah. So, Involuntarily detained. Yeah, detained. I don't know what they mean. They got her detained in a hotel or in a uh, prison. Who, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who, who knows? But over in Russia... Uh, you know, she got, they got her. They got her in a women's prison. She all right. <laughs> Cut it out. All right, let's go to job performance. WNBA star, multiple time all-star. Uh, I'm not giving her, her a 25, even though she's probably one of the most dominant players in the WNBA. I'm just not doing it. She's six foot nine. She's not that skilled. Her number one skill is being tall. And, and you know. You don't know. <laughs> Neither do you. Uh, so uh, I'm going to give her a 22 in job performance. Well, I'm going to give her a 23. Nobody can argue that she is possibly one of the greatest players in WNBA history. You can't argue with that. That's a fact. Who's number two? Uh, that pretty girl to be with Shaq. I don't know her. I don't even know what her Oh, Candace Parker. Yeah. yeah, that's all I know. <laughs> all right, uh, character... Uh, she got busted with drugs, so I can't be that high on her character-wise. I'm gonna give her a six in character. I'm gonna give her a 25. Hey man, she holds the record for most dunks by a woman, right? Yeah. She's gay, right? So that means she gets her pick of the best looking women in the world, <laughs> okay? And she also has to pay child support like a baby daddy. Okay, now she's a political refugee, so she's become the new Tony Montana of the world. Cause she's a political refugee. <laughs> Authenticity, uh, 
I, I don't know. I guess she's being authentic. I, I kind of went down the middle here. I gave her a 14 in authenticity. Uh, I give her a nine. She's mad because she can only make 200K in the NBA. In other words, she mad that she wasn't born with a ding ding. Okay. <laughs> or maybe she got a ding ding and she's mad that she ain't being paid accordingly. Oh, you and Shamika together, I don't know. It takes me bad places. I done cracked a 59 joke and the whole <laughs> it factor. Uh, whew. She, she, she's hard to miss. I will say that she's she it, you know, she stands out in the crowd. Mm-hmm. So I got to give her an it factor of a 10. I give her a factor of a 12. And you said it earlier. Steve Kim is look, man. Look at I, I, Brittany Griner. You know why she's in the trouble she's in? Because she made mistake of all tours make. She thought she's in America. You can't go over there in that country with your drug habits and your problems that you think is okay in America, because it's not gonna work. Okay, it, it's just not gonna work. You can't go over there in another country with opium and all of these other little drugs in your possession. So don't go over there and then suddenly think they mistreat you. So anyway, that's what you get. I give her a sixty-nine. You know, <laughs> she's six foot nine. I give her a 69. By the way, you know what else is illegal in Russia? What? Scissoring. <laughs> we, I gave her a 52 candlelit. He's got her at a grease fire. Play tomorrow before either one of us says anything else uh, inappropriate. Uh, anything related to a nine, we're done. We'll see you tomorrow. How tall is she? <laughs> Freedom, looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all the seeds when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want.